Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey guys, this is George in Massachusetts. I was wondering if you could discuss the pros and cons of buying stocks on margin. I appreciate it and thanks. And provides unbiased answers. Well, the pros are if you're right, <laughs> you earn a higher bang for your buck, return on your, your dollars. The downside is it can lead you to financial ruin if you make the wrong mistake and margin costs interest so even if you are right your excess return needs to be above that level of interest you're paying on margin and typically it's not cheap invest talk over 40 million downloads and counting across america and around the world your participation makes it unique 888-99-CHART This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, April 7th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And I'm ready. I'm ready to answer your finance and investment questions this hour and help you take that next step in your path towards financial freedom. We are in an interesting time. Uh, There's a lot of cross currents, different winds than we're used to. And that brings volatility. It also brings a different set of opportunities, a different set of risks. And my job is to give you the tools, give you the data, give you the perspective to help you make good financial decisions, whether that's spending decisions, whether that's investment decisions, whether that's savings decisions. Okay. And that's our goal on today's show. Now, we're obviously transitioning in the markets as well as the economy. You see that with higher rates, higher inflation, and you're probably feeling that a bit on the ground in your day-to-day lives, in your assets, in your home values. And all of this is probably worrying to some, confusing to others, and exciting for many. I think it's exciting. I love markets like this. Markets where you can find bargains. Markets where there's great opportunity presenting itself each and every day. More and more. So the reality on the ground is that there are new long-term trends just emerging. And your job, and my job, is to understand those trends and don't fight them, go with them. And so on this show, I'm going to operate my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. I'm going to give you unbiased guidance, assistance in regards to particular stocks, particular sectors, strategy, whatever it is, money related, investment related. I am here to just give you the facts as they see them in front of me. Like I said, I have a lot of data, tons of data, and 20 plus years of investment experience. So I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking. I can talk about whatever is on my mind, but most importantly, this show is for you. So call right now with your on our live stream from 4 to 5 Pacific time, or if you're listening after hours, you can... Leave a question on our Invest Talk Voice Bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, guys. This is George in Massachusetts. I was wondering if you could discuss the pros and cons of buying stocks on margin. I appreciate it, and thanks. Bye. Well, the pros are, if you're right, <laughs> you get earn a higher bang, bang, bang for your buck. Return on your, your dollars. The downside is it can lead you to financial ruin if you make the wrong mistake and margin costs interest. So 
even if you are right, your excess return needs to be above that level of interest you're paying on margin. And typically, it's not cheap. Depends on your broker, six, seven, eight percent. It it changes. Okay. So those are kind of the pros and cons. And I would advise against it, honestly. If you use a little margin, you know, a couple percent of your account, no big deal. But using double digit margin, I think is a bad idea. So I definitely wouldn't go that route. All right. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What does shrink the Fed balance sheet actually mean? Fed officials came to a consensus on what their next step in monetary policy will be. And that will be a 50 basis point increase as well as a balance sheet runoff. And how will that affect affect investors? So we're going to talk about that. Also, I want to discuss a trend in digital payments. And that is Zelle. Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E. Most of you have probably used it within your your, uh, bank. And the question is, what about um, you know, what's the trend? What are the trends there? And how is that going to affect Visa and MasterCard? Then also mortgage rates rise and home sellers fear time may be running out to, to cash in. So what what's happening uh, with all of that? But let's check in on the market today. The S&P that was uh, up about 19 points, about half a percent there. And uh, you know, that's uh, is a modest up day. Um, I still think there's some juice to the upside in this market, uh, but I still expect a lot of chop for most of the year. So that's where we're at right now. You had uh, interest rates up once again, uh, gold was up, and a uh, continuation of kind of the trends you've seen value over growth, uh, etc. Now we're moving into a short break. Carl from Oceanside, hang on, you'll be next on Invest Talk at 888 chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Carl in the Oceanside, looking at H-U-N Hunt, Huntsman Corporation. You owner, looking to buy it? Yes. I bought it the... Uh... And uh, I bought it because they announced a share buyback maybe months ago. And I looked at Huntsman, they pay a little bit dividend, and the stock was on an uptrend, but now it goes to, on a downtrend. I'm wondering what is wrong with the company. Well, I, I think it's in a downtrend now, really because earnings ex- expectations are coming down and growth is is set to slow. In 2019, they made $1.53. Uh, and then during the pandemic, that they suffered a, a bit. Earnings were a little bit less than a dollar. Last year, $3.54 in earnings and next year, $4.05. But that growth, uh, once again, is decelerating. Uh, and that's why this has rolled over. Um, and it's a it's a chemical producer. So it, most chemical producers are pretty uh, cyclical because those pr- chemicals typically go into products. And when the economy slows, consumer con- uh, goods pr- uh, demand slows. Well, the demands for the raw materials, the chemicals that go into those products also slows. And that's what you're seeing already. More people are spending on services over goods and and I think that's the issue here. Now it's it's a good company. Um, you know, it's it's small. It's uh, let's see, its market cap is about seven point three billion. I guess it's a it's a it's a mid cap. I would say uh, historically, its cash flow is uh, pretty consistent outside of the the COVID year, which that's completely understandable. And based on that six hundred million dollars in free cash flow that it kind of has averaged, uh, I think it's at a decent value, and its return on equity has consistently been. High teens, twenty percent range. So I, I like the company. Um, I just think near term, you're you're seeing some economic headwinds, uh, and so this is a good example of you don't want to just buy a company because they announced a share buyback. That's nice and probably smart, especially at the valuation that Huntsman is now. Uh, but it's in the short term, that's not going to matter a whole much. 
or a whole lot. Long term, absolutely. Uh, but that's what you're seeing now. It's just econo- the economy turning a bit, and that's going to feed into their expected profits for next year and this year, and uh, the stock's going to adjust accordingly. So that's the reaction you're seeing. Thanks for the call, Carl. Okay. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What does shrink the Fed's balance sheet actually mean? And the Fed minutes came out yesterday, and it was pretty clear that they discussed at the March meeting and came to a consensus around balance sheet reduction of about $95 billion a month. And that means $60 billion in treasuries and $35 billion in mortgage-backed securities that would be allowed to roll off. Now, this doesn't mean they're absolutely going to shrink their balance sheet by $95 billion per month. That's the cap that they're going to put on it. And based on the composition of their treasury portfolio, some of them uh, may... There may be $60 billion worth of treasuries that roll off each month. There may not. And if it's less, then they'll just uh, go with that number. Same with mortgage-backed securities. They roll off when they mature. Typically, they're longer, longer uh, period of time. But they have in the mortgage market, there's things called refinancing. Uh, and you refinance the home. You pay off the old mortgage. And if that mortgage was owned by the one of the mortgage-backed securities uh, within the Fed's, on the Fed's balance sheet, well, then they're not going to replace that. Okay, or if you go and sell your home, pay that off and buy another home, that old mortgage is paid off, and then maybe that uh, rolls off the Fed balance sheet as well. But so, and when interest rates rise, that probably is going to be slower because there's less activity in the housing market, there's less refinancing, etc. So, don't think they're going to guarantee to roll off 95 billion per month. Now, what also they came to consensus on was a 50 basis point rate hike, and some of them wanted to do that last meeting in March, but they were a bit deterred because of the uncertainty around the, the Ukraine war. Uh, but now that we're about six weeks into the war, uh, that's kind of known well, the, the, the economic ramifications for the most part. Now, the minutes were basically a, a very strong signal, continued hawkish signal, that they're serious about fighting inflation. And markets are expecting the Fed to increase the total rates a total of 250 basis points this year. They've only done 25 basis points. So the market is now pricing in a few, just last week it was eight. Now it's closer to 10. Pretty crazy. Now they still have a tight labor market on their side. But some members wanted no cap on the amount of roll off. Others thought it would be good if it's relatively high. And I think that's what that the, that 95 billion number is. Now, how will this affect investors? Well, remember, the Fed has signaled a lot of this for pretty much starting in the fall of last year, for better part of six months. And it's been pretty clear that they've their rhetoric continues to get ho- more hawkish and more hawkish. And I think they are... St- like I said yesterday, trying to create bullets in their holster to pull back some of those those rate hikes that the that uh, the the market has priced in, uh, but it doesn't mean they're not going to follow through with the first maybe half of that 250 basis points that's priced in. But if they do say 125, they do 50 this this uh, meeting and then 50 the next meeting, that'd be 125 basis points for those three meetings. And then they could see what the what the economy's like if inflation's slowing going into the you know the back half of the summer. And they could pull some of those rate hikes off the table. And that's I think the the, the bullish outlook. Now the question is at what level of markets pain will they be doing that? Where is that Fed put, shall we say? Clearly, the market, it's down for the year, 5% or so. Not enough for the market to, or the, the Fed to freak out. They're okay with that, especially after a 20 plus you know, return year last year. So I really don't think that uh, so far that this rhetoric is going to really change the dynamics of uh, the, the market. But as they continue to follow through on their rhetoric, I think that's when you start to uh, see more market uh, disruptions. 
Now, Steve and I are thankful for your podcast support and our free downloads. We'll always continue, but I want to make you aware of two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance, our Invest Talk YouTube channel, where I do a video every Friday, and Invest Talk, sorry, an Instagram account as well. So head over there and search Invest Talk. Remember, use two T's. Now, the phone lines are open, so give us a call now at 888 99Chart. It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, this is Mike here from Iowa calling in. Love your show. I've learned a lot from you guys. I have a quick question. For a few years now, I've owned um, SHW as a ticker symbol. I believe that's Sherwin Williams. It did have a nice run-up for me. I hung on to it where I probably should have sold all of it or some of it. But anyways, now it's dropped back down to approximately where I bought it at. The stock hasn't done much at all really this year, and I don't know if it's going to recover again. I'm wondering what you guys feel on the stock. It doesn't pay much of a dividend, and I don't know if it's going to have any room for growth or not. I'm considering just selling most of it or all of it completely, and maybe buying United Healthcare, or else putting the money just in an ETF, like an energy one, or a value one in value stock ETF. Those both have been doing well last year, of course, and I'm sure they'll do well into the future. What are your feelings on this? Thank you for all your help. Have a good day. Well, if you do sell it, I would go with either value or energy ETF um, if you're trying to keep it simple. Uh, but Sherwin-Williams, this is one of the largest, I believe it is the largest uh, producer of uh, architectural paint, I guess you would call it. In the United States, they have 4,800 stores and they, they're the high price point because they're higher quality and people have had money to repaint their homes, remodel their homes, etc. And this benefited greatly during the pandemic. Okay. Uh, and but that is expected to slow and you're already seeing analyst expectations for this year, and next year, come back down In the last two quarters, two quarters ago, revenue was flat year over year, earnings were down 24%. Fourth quarter, revenue only up 6%, earnings down 21%. And it's for P ratio is 30 times, it's kind of expensive. Now this has rolled over, it's down 25% from a 52 week high, and it's getting a little bounce here, but I think this is a bounce to sell. You know, the, as long as rates stay relatively high, 5%, like I said uh, on last segment, refinancing is plummeting because most people are locked in at sub three or low threes. Now rates are four and a half, five. So there's not a lot of incentive to refinance your home. And if you want to do a cash out refinance, now you got to pay a higher interest rate on top of a higher mortgage balance. And a lot of people are reluctant to do that. And so there's a lot less money to spend on, on your home uh, and painting your home, painting your rooms, etc. So I think that's what you're seeing here. And the market is speaking pretty loud. And yes, it's come down 25%, but it's was very overvalued 25% higher. And I think it's still overvalued. Our value is closer to $175 per share. Now it's at 263 at the close today. The enterprise value to EBA is about 25. And over the last decade, that's been closer to the mid-teens. So I think there's a good chance of another 30, 40% drop from here. Just to get back to market multiples or, or historical multiples. So I'm going to pass on, I would say, yeah, I would trade out of this on a balance. Could there be some more upside in the near term? Sure. But I would be using it to sell and, like you said, move into a value or energy-focused ETF. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 888 Let's talk a little bit about Zelle. Now, Zelle is the payment platform that banks launched. It's uh, mainly owned by JP Morgan, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. And it was kind of the it was kind of the competitor to Venmo, PayPal's Venmo. 
And it's caught on. There was a record 1.8 billion transactions last year, totaling $490 billion. That was more than double their pre-pandemic levels. Now, banks, uh, now, now, these banks are debating whether to bring Zelle to more places as opposed to just passing money between people, using it in more of a retail setting. And the owners are split on whether this is a good idea. Now, banks collectively earn billions of dollars in fees, merchant fees, when shoppers use debit and credit cards. Well, Visa and MasterCard, they take some of that for themselves. And some of the banks worry that if they go this route, they're going to be taking away their revenue uh, on the credit card side. Now, Wells Fargo and Bank of America apparently are for expanding the service to retail payments. JP Morgan, not so much. They have a bigger credit card business, I believe, you know, and better relationship with maybe Visa and MasterCard. Now, Bank of America customers made more Zelle transactions than wrote paper checks for the first time ever last year. Now, this would take that all seven banks that own early warning. So those are the top three, the biggest holders, but all seven banks would have to approve it uh, for all 1,450 financial institutions to start using it. Now, they're still talking about how it's going to work and, you know, other incentives for consumers to be able to use it, etc. But the big message to me here is the premiums that MasterCard and Visa have been trading at for a long, long period of time. I don't know why they should in this world of digital payments, whether that's crypto or Zelle or Venmo or, you know, a lot of other ways to move money and pay for things. And I think it's just kind of assumed that Visa and MasterCard are going to uh, remain the dominant players. And I think there's a good chance that five, 10 years from now, that's no longer the case. Now it's a moving fast this Thursday, and I'm here ready to answer your questions at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. 
there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Invest Talk, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Every day I wake up before work and download this podcast. It's like my favorite show to listen to right now. And I had a question about um, Citigroup. It's on sale right now, it appears, and I'm, I'm very high on the stock because it's lower than the book value and it's 
Peter Lynch's price to earnings growth is, looks good on that number, as well as Warren Buffett's pre-tax income rule. Do you believe this is a good stock to buy right now? Thank you. I'll listen to the answer on the show. Have a good day. Well, first, don't go off book value, especially for financial companies, because the, the rules have kind of changed when it comes to marking assets to, to market. And, you know, there's accounting reasons for writing down assets so, or, or writing up assets. Um, so I would not use book value for this. You want to look at cash flow, profitability, um, quality of their assets, et cetera. Uh, now, Citigroup, the problem with Citigroup is historically they've been a below average allocator of capital. And this is in a downtrend. And, uh, if the, and the reason it's in a downtrend is because the yield curve is flattening and the, uh, the, the, they have a lot of credit card issuers uh, or a lot of credit, credit card creditors, excuse me. And they, they're going to have rising defaults because of uh, you know a slowing economy. And I just don't think it's a good time to be in these large banks. They're, they have a lot of regulation, uh, added costs because of those, um, those large, uh, the, the size, right? They're strategically uh, important, systematically important. And therefore, I just don't, don't like it. I don't love banks right now in general. So uh, I definitely don't like the big banks. So um, yeah, just not a big fan of city and historical management of the business. Now let's make it two calls in a row. This time the question came from a listener in Hawaii. Hi, Stephen, Justin, Dave calling from Hawaii, longtime listener. I'm looking at Heritage Insurance Holdings Inc. The ticker is HRTG Hotel Romeo Tango Golf. It's a micro cap around 190 million, but I'm not looking at this for an investment. I'm actually looking at this for insurance purposes. So they actually own Zephyr Insurance, which provides hurricane insurance here in Hawaii. And with such a small market cap, I'm wondering if this company can stay solvent given a major hurricane here in the islands. So hoping you could shed some light on the relationship between an insurance company's market cap or some other metric and their ability to actually pay out given a major event. Many thanks for all you do. Love the podcast. This is actually a very good question. And you're right. They're a very small company, $174 million market cap. They only do $166 million in revenue per quarter. And, you know, that's, that's a very good question. Now, what you want to look at is the AM best rating for heritage insurance. Now, what they could be doing is, and they're likely doing, is what is called reinsurance. Almost every insurance company does this. They might insure you and they sell off a piece to reinsurers at the best price so that they diversify their risk and they might be reinsuring you or your home uh, to a much larger insurer. So I would actually just simply go off uh am best and let me take a look here do i have this b plus good outlook positive so you know it's it's solid i think it's okay um yeah i would go based on am best more than anything because they're looking at their the risk that they're taking with their book with reinsurance etc so that's the way I would be looking at it. Not necessarily the underlying size of the company. Um, I'd be relying more on AMBEST. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. It's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have oh, about 20 minutes left. So I'm ready for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Now let's touch a bit on the housing market. And... Homeowners are, in some ways, thinking they missed out. And they're starting to become a rush for sellers to get their house on the market. A little bit anxiety here. Now, higher rates should, in theory, cool prices. But you already have a market, in most markets, where inventory for homes remains very low. 
And while it's going to squeeze, high rates are certainly going to squeeze some people out of the market or into lower priced homes. There's, it's going to take a while for the market to kind of right itself and go from a seller's market today to a buyer's market. Now, the first thing you have to think about is don't just think about interest rates and uh, you, you and just say, oh, interest is going up. I need to sell my home. The first step is to understand your local real estate market and your own financial situation. Now, with inflation rising, consumers getting a little more pessimistic. Mortgage rates will price some buyers, like I said, out of the market. The average 30-year rate is now 4.72%. And like I said, it's going to take a little while. But don't do it just because you are you think that the, the, the market's going to weaken dramatically. I don't think it really is. And a lot of people try to time the market. And that's difficult. What you want to do is think, do I want to own this home for the next two, three years? If you're downsizing, this is a good time to get it on the market, buy that cheaper home, etc. If you have rental properties that you want to get rid of, this is a good time to sell it. Get ahead of that buyer's market that it probably is nine to 12 months out. So I know there's a lot of anxiety out there, but I still think there's time for you to sell and you don't need to be in a frenzy. Right? And if you're a buyer, I'd be patient. Let's go to John in North Carolina looking at Ally. Yeah, hey, Justin. Hey, you gave some really sound advice on a company called Tronox about a month ago that I stubbornly refused to take. So I thought I would try again with uh, with another company. Um, this company, Ally Financial, is my uh, second largest position, and that's a, mm-hmm. just a result of the fact that it ran up quite a bit off its pandemic lows. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard you say earlier about not being a fan of big banks, and this doesn't really fit the big bank model. Mm-hmm more of a lender, especially in the automotive space. Seems to me if we head towards a recession, there'll be probably a lot less car buying. So you know, P is so low, the valuation looks so good, but do I need to kind of take a step back, maybe trim and revisit it in the future? What, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I think you are correct. Um, I would trim. Uh, it's in a downtrend. It, its chart is definitely bearish. It's uh, kind of stair-stepping lower. And its valuation, uh, I do think, is is coming down. And a lot of that has to do with this kind of over-earned. Um, and I think it, a lot of it, the reason it over-earned is because of a tight car market. Remember, they're yeah. lending money. And they not only are sales prices going up, so they're, yeah. the amount they're lending is a lot more. So their interest income's a lot more. So that's definitely benefiting them but also the strength of the underlying value of their assets. Remember, these are loans backed by what? Cars. And if the underlying value of the cars are going up, well, then they're, if somebody stops paying, they're happy to go repossess it, sell yeah. it. They're probably going to make a profit. Whereas maybe a few years ago, they were going to lose money. Right? So it's a fantastic unemployment rate is very low. So most people are paying, most people are paying up, they're paying off their, it's, it's easy to pay off their old, uh, their old loan if they're selling their car, because they're getting a good amount for it. So I think this is over earning in a big, big way. 2019, they made $3.84. Last year, they made $8.22. I think gonna really make that much again, I, I would say closer to $4 is what they're probably going to trend to back over time. You already see last quarter earnings down 2% year over year revenue flat year over year. So it's not like their volume is going up dramatically. I just think their profit per loan is going up. Um, and that's waning as supply chain issues ameliorate and, and, and we get back to a normal car market. 
Now that's still maybe a year away, but we're the market's going to start to price that in and already has. And that's why you see it in a downtrend. So I would definitely at the bare minimum, be trimming your position in LA. Now the second quarter is well underway. Today was the fifth trading day of the quarter. And volatility, as we've explained here, is probably only going to continue. But with volatility means opportunity. And the question is, are you prepared? Is your portfolio prepared for this market that we're in? And that's why I think it, it might take might be worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KP Financial, based in Irvine, California, which is, if you don't know, in Orange County in Southern California. And let me remind you that here on Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate with the same philosophy, independent thinking and shared success. So how do we implement this? Well, we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings to send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we'll go back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank. Remember, the phone lines never close at 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, uh, my name is Nathan from Cleveland, Ohio, and I have a question. I recently sold some covered calls, and now the price of the stock is over my strike price. I was wondering if you recommend if I just wait until the shares get called away or sell the option and lose out on the intrinsic value of the option. I appreciate uh, your answer. Thank you. All right. A lot of people that sell cover calls, they get, they freeze when they're called, when they're, uh, the stock goes in the money. Now for everyone out there, cover call is basically when you buy, you buy a stock, you buy the underlying, say it's at $50, you sell a call at say a 55 strike. And you get a premium for that. And most people, they love that. They get a premium, they get more income, they get to hold the stock, they get that upside to 55, they get some dividend. But the problem is, is that sometimes it goes above 55. And now you're capped. And then you freeze and you go, what do I do? Do I let it get called away? Do I just buy back the, sh buy back the, uh, the option, buy back the option? And, you know, what do I do? Well, what we usually do, we run a cover call strategy, we roll it. What you can do is roll it. And sometimes you can get a credit for that. Sometimes you have to pay a little bit of money. But, and rolling is basically, you buy it back, about the 55 strike, whatever the, the price is, uh, hopefully a few days before expiration. And then you sell out to the next month. So for this month, we get option ex expiration next week uh, in the month of April, and then we roll it out to May. And maybe a higher strike, maybe it's fifty-seven fifty, maybe it's sixty dollars per share, etc. And that gives you more upside in the stock, and you're selling more premium. You might even get, still get a credit for it, depending on you know where, where everything's going. So don't freeze. Don't think that uh, oh my god, I got to let it get called away, or I have to just buy it back so I keep the stock. You can roll it. You, you can massage these positions, and that's what that's what we do. Uh, and it works out very well. If you kind of know what you're doing, you don't freeze and think that this is the, you don't have what, most options. They don't expire where uh, in the money where somebody's taking a position, most people are buying that back. And 
And most people don't realize, most amateurs don't realize that you can do that. It's a great way to bring in more income, but don't let it freeze you and make you hold it to the end. Most of the time you should roll it. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We only have about eight minutes left. So I encourage you to reach out with any questions that you have. We love individual stock questions. I love broad questions. That was kind of a broad question, a cover call uh, type of strategy question. And I'm all for it, whether it's technical, whether it's fundamental, whether it's about the commodities market uh, overall, even geopolitical considerations, because geopolitical considerations in regards to the market are even more important today than they have been in a long period of time. And you need to be abreast of that if you're going to invest, because those those wins of the of geopolitics have a large impact on economies. And then impacts on economies means impacts on earnings and thus stocks. So be aware of that. So I'm ready for your calls at 888-99-CHART. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Hi, I was hoping to get your assessment on Oasis Petroleum, ticker symbol OAS. was wondering if you think this would be a good investment, and if so, what would be a good entry point? Thank you so much for all that you guys do. Bye. All right, this is Oasis Petroleum. OAS is the symbol. And this is a smaller EMP company, about $2.8 billion market cap. Looks like it came out of bankruptcy in late 2020. But I actually kind of like that. Companies that come out of bankruptcy means that uh, they got all of their, they, they renegotiated their debt uh, down dramatically over that, uh, that period. And its earnings have come back in a big, big way. Supposed to make $31.93 this year. That's up 235% from last year. $146 stock, supposed to make $30 next year. The chart looks like it's consolidating just fine. So based on forward earnings, it's trading at five times forward earnings. I'm fine with that. 1.6% dividend yield. They just started paying that. Probably gonna go up over time. I like, you know, I like oil companies right now, oil and gas companies. They have some mid midstream um, assets as well. So I'm going to give Oasis Petroleum OAS a thumbs up. Now we have time to tackle another caller question. This one came in, er- in earlier on an Invest Talk Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Alex from the Bay Area. And my question is, can you compare and contrast a value stock to a growth stock? Thank you. Well, there's no hard and fast rule of what a value stock is or a growth stock. Um, you know, I always just like to look at like the IWF, there's IWV, iShares 1000 growth versus iShares 1000 value. It's a good way to uh, look at the different types of companies. Uh, you know, growth stocks are about the story. Uh, they're about the companies that are quote unquote disruptors. And the the hope is that you're picking names that are going to be much larger revenue wise in the future. Uh, and typically they have higher sales growth today. And the market is pricing a premium on those. Okay. So for example, the IWF, the average price to book is on the is, is nine times, whereas the category average is only six times. But your sales growth is much above average. Uh, and in times where interest rates are low, you discount that future growth very minimally. What discounted cash flow model is. You have to discount it by some interest rate. When interest rates are low, that interest rate is is, is low. 
in a time where interest rates are going up, inflation is going up, you care less about that future and you care more about what is actually happening today. Now, IWF, if you look at the sectors it holds mainly, 42% technology, half a percent energy, 1% basic materials. So you can see the growthier stocks aren't doing very well right now because what's going up in value? The companies that can actually do something for you today. When times are tougher, when inflation is higher, it's hard to get your hands on things because of whether that's supply chain issues or just shortages of supply. You care about getting the products today. You're going to pay up for them. Your margins for those companies are going to be much better. Are you going to care as much about what company will do five years from now, 10 years from now? And the vast majority of those aren't going to turn into what they promised or what investors hope they will be. So that's the difference between growth versus value. We've just gone through a period, decade plus, 14 years really, 27 to, sorry, 2007 to 2021, where growth outperformed. This is a new era. About now, about today, about getting products and services that you can use today. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We do track our download numbers and we've crossed over 40 million thanks to you. You can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave your rate, your question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is the best talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.